Hello, and welcome back to Emily vs. Science, a podcast where I, your host, Emily Minerov, talk to you about cool science-related topics in a way that everyone can enjoy and everyone can understand. In episode three of Emily vs. Science, we are going to talk about PCR testing. Now, you may have heard that term, PCR, that acronym, rather, uh, pretty re- you know pretty frequently in the last year or so, and that's because we use, the, not, I mean, the scientists out there who are doing the testing, they use the PCR test method to detect COVID. And this is very relevant to me, and I hope most others listening to this, given that COVID is everywhere. Um, I have to get tested by the University of Wisconsin-Madison every 72 hours via a saliva PCR test. And yes, before you ask me in your mind, is that a pain in the butt? Yeah, it is kind of a pain in the butt. However, it's for the greater good. And I also would like to shout out the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana because they actually came up with this return to campus plan back in fall 2020. And I'll link a link in the show notes about their return to you know, school planning COVID, but they actually came up with this saliva test or the saliva PCR test. I mean, they didn't come up with the PCR part, but they came up with the saliva test and how to, you know, test that for COVID. Um, And now other schools like UW-Madison have adopted it. So it's been, it's been a really incredible journey since uh, COVID started about a year ago in the States. Okay. Onto the actual topic. What is PCR testing? What does PCR even stand for? Well, PCR stands for polymerase chain reaction. I found this great link from Khan Academy explaining what a PCR test is in very simple terms, and I'll absolutely link that in the show notes because it, you know, biology is not my strong suit. However, PCR test is a technique to make many copies of a specific DNA region in vitro, which means it's in a test tube versus a human or an organism. Before I go into the science behind the PCR test and how it works, I would like to clarify here that the PCR test itself is not what is identifying COVID or something that a experimenter lab or scientist is looking for. It is the way the sample that you provide, whether it's the nasal swab or saliva, whatever way you give the the DNA sample, it's how they prepare the DNA sample to then be tested for what's being looked for. And I say, I'm saying this broadly because the PCR test isn't just for COVID. It's, it's been used for a variety of things, and we'll, I'll talk about that more after I um, solidify the PCR testing concept, but it's not, the PCR test itself doesn't test for COVID. It prepares the sample of DNA to be tested for COVID. Think of a PCR test as a copy machine. Like in grade school, a new teacher would say, hey, can you go make 100 copies of this worksheet? The copy machine is just preparing the worksheet so that the whole class can have it. It doesn't actually do anything with the worksheet except replicate it, if that makes sense. The worksheet has to get solved by the person doing it, not the copy machine. Despite this printer analogy kind of giving me an understanding of how the PCR test works, I still have a lot of questions. Like, how do they know what part of the DNA to replicate? And how long does this take? And is it effective? And is it accurate? And we'll get into it. There are three steps to a PCR test. Before the steps even start, what happens is, is the experimenter, the scientist, the lab, whoever is testing, will put this thing in your sample, the DNA sample you provided, called TAC polymerase. TAC polymerase is the enzyme that helps actually replicate the part of the DNA you're looking to replicate. 
In order for that to happen though, there are three steps of the PCR test, which I will get into now. So the first step is called denaturation. And you wanna do this because this separates the two strands of the double helix of your DNA, and that prepares you for the second step of the PCR process, which is actually what part of the DNA is replicated. The second step is called annealing, and this is where things get critical because the idea of the PCR test stays the same among every PCR test, but this is where things get specific and the scientist has to identify what is the unique identifier of what they're looking for. So there are these things called primers. Primers will attach to the part of the DNA, like the chunk that the experimenter wants to replicate. How does this happen? Well, in the first step, we separated the strands of DNA. In this step, we're cooling the DNA tac polymerase sample down so the primers can actually go to where they're supposed to be. Think of this like a zipper. In order for a zipper to zip a jacket or whatever you're zipping, you have to put that little piece in first, right? That little piece at the bottom or the top. You gotta put that piece in first in order for the zipper to move up or down. And if you zip your jacket all the way up, it knows to stop at the end because there's that little stopping point. Think of those starting and stopping points as primers. The third step of the PCR test is called extension, and this is when they heat the reaction of the DNA sample and the TAC polymerase back up so that the TAC polymerase enzyme can actually synthesize new DNA. What's really cool about this is that the TAC polymerase doesn't need to use the original to replicate. TAC polymerase can use the replicated DNAs that it has made to keep replicating. It doesn't need to go back to the original DNA that was provided. Um, which means this is a really, really quick and exponential process because every time it replicates, it has more templates to replicate off of again. Okay, now get this. This is the most cool part, I think, of PCR testing. So this cycle, these three steps, this happens 25 to 35 times, right? That's, that's all it takes. And this creates millions to billions of copies of the DNA. And this only takes two to four hours. That's it. At this point, you would not yet get your sample back because they have not tested for COVID, but the next thing they do, the next thing they would do would be to test for COVID. In my experience at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, originally before the saliva test, I was doing a nasal swab. That result took three to five days, meaning the PCR part wasn't what took forever. It was testing for the COVID. But now, with the saliva test, I'm getting my results as early as five hours after getting my sample, which means they're doing the PCR test almost immediately, or within a couple hours, and then doing the COVID test right after, and then they're just sending the results back. It's a very awesome and quick process. SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19, has its own genetic material, right? It's a virus. So in a COVID PCR test, uh, according to the Cleveland Clinic, what they do is is they replicate a portion of the SARS-CoV-2 genetic material. That way, if you have it, that's gonna replicate a million, a billion times. But if you don't have it, there's nothing that can be replicated at all. This is why the primer that I mentioned in the second step of annealing needs to be so unique because the primer has to be so unique that it only identifies COVID versus a bunch of things, uh, which is what is difficult in a PCR test is identifying what chunk of the DNA needs to be replicated. And what DNA, is it the human or the virus? In the case of a COVID test, it needs to be the virus. But in the case of something where you're looking at someone's genetic makeup to see if they have a gene for cancer, then you would be looking at the human. So it just really depends on the test and what you're looking for. 
So I just mentioned that this PCR test can be used for more than just COVID, and that's because you are looking at a DNA and the contents of a DNA. So you can really use a PCR test to do anything that has to do with identifying pieces of DNA. So that could mean identifying whether someone has or does not have a genetic cancerous gene in their DNA makeup or analyzing blood samples at a crime scene to see whose blood it is and, you know, eventually, you know, who did the crime, right? So a lot of widespread uses. And the next thing you might be asking, well, is how accurate can a PCR test be? And for COVID testing, it's it's pretty much the most accurate test there is. The only caveat to this test is that it's really just a snapshot of that exact moment of whether you have COVID or not. It's not like a strep throat culture where they it might be negative at the time, but after they culture it, it becomes positive. It doesn't work like that. A COVID test is really just the instant you give that spit, whether you have it or not at that exact moment. Going back to accuracy, the PCR test is accurate because it can only reduplicate or replicate if something's present, right? But in terms of when you have the disease, it, it's only as accurate as the snapshot. Now you may be asking, well, who, who made the PCR test? Who made this possible? According to Thermo Fisher Scientific, the PCR test dates all the way back to 1976 because that's when the TAC polymerase enzyme was isolated. However, it wasn't that effective because scientists would have to manually input this to replicate the DNA, and that took a really long time. But in 1988, Kerry Mullis and the Cetus Corporation commercialized this enzyme for widespread use, and the PCR cycler, also known as a thermocycler, became popular, which meant that scientists didn't have to manually add the enzyme every time to replicate the DNA, it, they could use a machine to do it and then it became super fast and efficient. Basically an enzyme machine for the enzyme that replicates the DNA. Later in 1993, Kerry Mullis, the guy I mentioned before, he actually did win the Nobel Prize for PCR testing. And I will link his speech in the show notes below because there was a series of events that led to a perfect storm of him being able to like widespread the use of a PCR test and it's interesting because it's not just science related things it's it's the way he connected the dots and it's really interesting so definitely take a look in the show notes below for the link to his Nobel Prize speech and with that I hope you learned a little something about PCR testing its use and uh, its impact on our lives today catch you next time <laughs>